Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. Welcome, everyone, to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here today on this wonderful Wednesday. Hope everyone had a good weekend, long weekend. Of course, remembering those who have died in overseas wars as well for Memorial Day. And... Yeah, so we're back here with a live show until 1 o'clock here on WYSL. Give us a call, 585-346-3000 if you want to participate in the conversation. Probably going to be talking mostly about uh, parole reform, or at least first half of the show. Then I'll jump into a handful of other topics. So if you have thoughts on parole reform, uh, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. I think Larry touched on this a bit yesterday, but you know, I'm going to go into specifically you know, this, this letter that a uh, – the, the local, the Monroe County District Attorney, Sandra, Sandra Dorley, wrote, and, and a few other things. But before I go to that, shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK out in Newark and WENY, the Patriot down in Southern Tier. Appreciate y'all listening here as well. And, of course, hi to our, our friends listening online, too. I don't want to forget about you guys over on the uh, Free Solution Facebook page on a uh, Free Solution, the YouTube channel, and uh, the Kevin Wilson page as well those who listen to me today all right so thanks again for joining us all right so we're going to talk we're going to talk about uh some parole reform stuff going on uh and i and i want to respond to this letter that uh sandra dorley put out last week uh and it's it's interesting because it started some interesting debates among libertarians too like you it's it's not so clear where the party, I guess, stands on it. Although the the guy making the most noise on on one of the posts I saw about his extra Green Party guy, which is weird. But anywho, the two bills that we're going to talk about that aren't exactly new. They've kind of been around for a while, but they seem like they might be gaining some level of traction given the the push for uh, police reform last year and criminal justice reform last year. Uh, we had talked about some parole reform stuff a few months ago that seemed like it was starting to bubble to the surface. So there's there's two bills that are coming out. Uh, and this isn't – and when we talked about parole reform on a previous show, I we, we had talked mostly about after release. You know, how do we make sure that the, the community is safe after release but also we're not sending people back to jail for tiny minor infractions that don't actually matter? You know, how do we – kind of balance those two, community safety and not sending people back to prison when, when it doesn't make any sense. But these two bills are kind of before that process. Who is eligible for parole? And then how do you determine if someone who is up for parole should be released? So one is called the so – it's an elder parole bill, right? And what it does is says that any inmates – who are aged 55 and older can go before the parole board regardless of the crime that they've committed, so no matter how bad or how little, as long as they've served at least 15 years of their sentence. Uh, and then the board also considers 
their health, right? So, so if someone committed murder at age 50, uh, they still have to serve 15 years of that sentence. It's not going to be up at age 55. So that, that's one of the things that I've kind of seen about this is people seem to be misunderstanding what it does a little bit. And, and there are for sure things that make me a bit nervous, uh, that give me a bit of pause on this, and, and, and I'll address those issues. But, you know, it's – someone has to serve at least those 15 years. So if they committed murder a couple years prior to this uh, at like 50, 52, 53, they're still not going to be up for parole for a while, right? But what this would do is say, you know, someone someone who committed a murder or, or, or other very serious crime that justifies decades in prison at age 18, 19, 20, and they've been sitting in prison for 20, 30 years at that point, you know, their entire adult life, that person, you know, if they were convicted of something where they have a life sentence, where they would expect to spend the entirety of their life there, they would be given a chance at parole, even if their sentencing structure previously said that they don't get a chance at parole. And I I, I like that idea, right? I, I like the idea that if someone has been in prison for decades, even if it's a very serious crime, if they did something stupid when they were 18, 19, 20 years old, they lost their head, they hurt some people, it's a serious thing. you know. But maybe they're a different person decades later. Maybe they regret what they've done. Maybe they've matured. You know, Maybe they're, again, dumb. They're a dumb thug who was involved in uh, gang life or something like that, and they... They got caught up in that. They hurt someone. Is it enough to have them serve several decades in prison? And the question that I know is going to come up, because I know people are thinking about it, because this is the uh, the objection, is, is, is that still justice, right? If they were given a life sentence, should they be given a chance to, to be released, even if they've changed? Even if they've spent many years in jail, even if what they what they did they regret, is that still justice for the victims to have them released even decades later? And how do we determine who gets released? And there's a separate bill for that too, which I'll I probably won't get to until after the break. But but with this one, I I kind of I get this right for for that type of case uh, that. That people change over time, and then that is is not a good use of taxpayer money to keep someone in prison. You know, they're in prison from age twenty to age fifty five. We're going to keep them in prison another thirty, forty years after that. Does that make sense? If they're a different person, if they are not a threat to the safety of other people at this point, does that make sense to still keep that person in prison? To, to still keep us paying for that? I know. Again, the, the other side of that is, is that justice for the victim? How, how are the victim's family going to feel about some of these folks being released from prison? But again, I think about this as a taxpayer too. I don't, I don't want to have to pay for that. I, it, it doesn't make sense to pay for that. My, my big question in all these things is, is that person who's going to be released past age 55, 
are they going to be a danger to the people around them? And what this doesn't do, and, and again, there's some weird misconceptions about this I've seen. People are like, oh, we're just going to release everyone who turns age 55 from prison? No, no, it gives them a parole board hearing. That's what this seems to do. It doesn't say, yes, we are automatically going to release those people at age 55. Not what's going on here. And, and if that were the case, I would be against that because there are some people, they might be 55 years old, but it's probably still not safe to release them out into the community. There might be some people that you, you really don't. Like, do, do, we, do we release, you know, the, the, is the Golden State Killer? So, like, that, that guy that they caught, you know, like, do we release that guy from prison? No, no, probably not. Do we release, you know, these serial killers from prison? No, that, I, no, no, maybe not. Maybe not that. They, they might still hurt some people. But should, again, that person who hurt someone, got a long sentence, but has fundamentally changed after decades, should they get another shot to plead their case that they should go free? I think yes. I think that that's something we have to do because it's, just, it's not – when we look at prison sentence, it is not just the consideration of the victim's family. It's, it's society. It's taxpayer costs. It's, it's everything. What do we do with these these older people who are sitting in prison who are no longer capable of committing some of the crimes that they may have committed that got them there in the first place? Why should we keep paying for that? Why should we keep them in there when our prisons have a lot of people? doesn't make sense to get them out. And that's the question I'm asking today. If you have thoughts on that, though, I do want to hear from you. And I know I'm, I'm getting some comments online, too. I do want to hear from you. Give me a call, 585 Three four six three thousand. That's five eight five three four six three thousand. And we're going to be going to a break in a few minutes, but I'm putting that number out there. So I want to hear from you, really. You know, I'm to me, I'm like this doesn't sound totally unreasonable, but I, I would get in certain situations where we might not want to release someone, either out of consideration of the victim's family or our safety for a community. Give us a call, 585-346-3000, 585-346-3000. We're going to be back with more on a free solution in a few minutes. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here live on WYSL, which means that you, the listener, can call in. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. If you want to participate in the conversation, you can go live on air or just leave a message with our producer and pass it along to me. Either one is A-OK. Or, of course, you can comment online, too. Thanks again, folks listening online, for listening in. Uh, we have a comment from Nemo who says, My cousin spent most of his life in prison. It was only when he got out and started hanging around good people that he changed. I mean, that's that's part of it, too. And, and the hope is, too, that you know, post-prison where, well, frankly, there's a lot of bad folks in there, too, that they get rehabilitated somehow. Like, again, this this goes back to you know, my longer show on, you know, what is what is the goal of prison, right? Like, is goal of prison to punish people? Is it to keep bad people out of society? Is it to rehabilitate people? What is... What is the what is the goal here? What are we trying to accomplish? Why are we spending all this money on prisons? Uh, and and, and that, that goal might be any combination of those three things too. It might be, you know, some people we need to, to really keep away from society because they're dangerous. They're hurt. They're gonna hurt people. And if we let them out, they're gonna hurt more people. Some people, you know, 
they're bad, dumb, stupid in context, but if they get a bit of support, they'll get out and, and maybe be fine. Contribute to society again. Uh, you know, have a job, own a business, do do whatever. Uh, other comments. Will Phillips says, uh, as always, as almost always, it depends. According to Nima, it worked for a brother. That is great. I just found out this week that the man who sh that shot Reagan was released in 2016. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot his name now. Uh, oh, man, I'm going to forget his name. I have to Google it. Someone will have to tell me. Uh, he now has his own YouTube channel. I don't think he should be allowed out. Hinkley, it was. Hinkley was released from institutional psychiatric care on September 10th, 2016, with many conditions. Right, yeah, and so that's that's one of those tough cases, too. Like, there's, it, in the letter that the uh, the Monroe County DA puts out, she, she lists, like, you know, the, the son of Sam killer, right, David Berkowitz. Right? Okay, so maybe, uh, may, maybe that person gets some scrutiny in this. Bro Again, someone getting parole doesn't necessarily mean they're getting out. And, yeah, some people, maybe they're legitimately not safe to let out. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, but other people, again, I think people change over time. I, For goodness sakes, I've changed so much in the last 10, 15 years. Not even that old. But people change after decades of time. In theory, again, we would hope that not everyone who goes to prison is irredeemable. Even people who have committed serious crimes. Including, you know, assault, murder, whatever. You know, the, I would hope that over time we can figure that out. And again, the question becomes, too, for those types of folks, for someone who has, you know, taken the life of a family member, for the victims, is when is enough time good enough? When is enough time okay? Does it compromise the, the sense of justice for the victim's family? Does it compromise their safety for the victim's family for someone to be released? And I and I understand that criticism, especially uh, of this, the the elder parole law, and then the combination with so there there's a, another uh, proposal called the the Fair and Timely Parole Act, uh, and what it does, just roughly, is it, it basically says that when someone comes before a parole board, that the Conditions that they should consider for parole is that whether or not their record for and in prison demonstrates that there is a current and unreasonable risk that the person will violate the law if released that can't be mitigated by parole supervision. So basically like what the parole board is supposed to consider is not necessarily like what was the nature of their crime, but rather if we were to release this person today – are they going to go out and commit more crimes if even if mitigated by parole supervision so again you have parole supervision you have to go in and check with folks you know check with uh you know your parole officer frequently right which again the other show we talked about like that system's a little bit uh it's difficult to navigate for many people and again, I've had friends who have it, it, people I've known who've been on parole, and it, it's tough. If you you miss something, you know you, you you have a shift at work. Doesn't matter. You got to drop everything you're doing to make sure that you meet those conditions. And it's tough. And if you you mess up in even the the smallest way, there's a chance you're going back to jail. So, very serious thing. So, the the problem people have with kind of both of these together, and I'm going to kind of get to summarizing what 
what the Monroe County District Attorney Sandra Dorley said in in her letter is you got people being released, people who are going to be up for parole at 55, and then at the same time you're condi- you're changing how parole is evaluated to say that it's less important what crime is committed and what conditions were set at sentencing and more do they present a danger now that can't be mitigated by parole supervision right so so you get all you know and then the 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 DA lists a a number of uh people who could get released in our county and in a number of people in New York state who get released you know some serial killers some people you know who who only committed crimes you know, uh, a handful of years ago, people were still, you know, like in their 40s when they committed a crime, so they could be out in a few years. Okay, yeah, no, that's all stuff to consider too, right? And, and again, that is that is uh, that is a tough thing to figure out. You know, and I don't want to. I get I get a bit frustrated when people on the the progressive side immediately dismiss the needs and the the views. Of the victims, families in this, because I, I don't, I want to be glib about this, right? Like I think that this is worth discussing. I think that is worth considering whether or not people should get out, even if they've committed a serious crime, right? Uh, and, and then I got a comment from Valerie who says the parole system in Monroe County is broken. Yeah, Valerie, I'd love for you to elaborate more. Again, give us, give us a call five eight five three four six three thousand. If anyone has any specific knowledge about this too, uh, or has been on any side of the system would love to hear from you at five eight five three four six three thousand. Uh and oh where is I going with this? All right, so I don't want to dismiss the, the the needs of the victims, but also again, does this make sense to pay for from a taxpayer perspective? How many years of someone's life is it justified to take in vengeance? And does that person actually present a threat, a danger to society if they're released. I think all those are reasonable considerations for this. I think this is something that I would like – and again, it, it, I'd like progressives to understand the other side of this, and I would like conservatives to, to, to also understand does this make – does it make sense to keep someone in prison indefinitely? You know, and I think it's something too. Like, okay, if someone at age thirty-five kills their spouse, twenty years later, it was a, a crime of passion or whatever, right? Does it make sense to still keep them in jail forever and ever? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the circumstances, I suppose. Uh, it sounds like we have a call. Uh, Jake from Rochester. Uh, yeah, how's Jake? it going? Good. What's on your mind, sir? I, I think that uh, not offering parole kind of it can create a system in the, the prisons themselves where people no longer have something to lose and it can create more violence in the prison themselves, you know? Oh, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's an interesting thought. Now, you know, I even think about that. Like if you're, there's no chance you're ever going to get out ever, ever. Do you start thinking, does it matter what I do here? If I, if I hurt people in this prison, doesn't matter. I'm not getting out anyway. So if you create positive incentives for people to have an opportunity to be released, do they behave better in the prison system? Is that, yeah, is that where you're? Think, uh, yeah. Also, keeping them in there indefinitely obviously takes a toll on the taxpayer dollar. But at the same time, like it, it almost makes just as much sense to just use the death penalty rather than keeping them in prison forever. 
yeah, you know, that's, uh, well, I mean, that that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's an interesting point, because what ends up happening with the death penalty is that, well, two things. One is it ends up taking a very, very long time. It's a lot of a lot of appeals. It ends up being more expensive right now than keeping someone in prison. And, and my worry, and I'll be honest, Jake, with, with the death penalty is that state governments have gotten it wrong way too often. They, they've, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they've killed some people that, you know, we, we get some DNA evidence out and like, oh, we, uh, oops, we, we killed the wrong person now. That was, that was not the right guy. Uh, and, and you can't undo that. And so that's that's yeah. my critique of the death penalty. Is, uh, well, yeah, all, I'm, all I really wanted to say was that I think that offering parole or at least a chance at parole gives people hope and it can it can help them actually become rehabilitated, you know? Yeah, no, Jake, I, I think that that's an excellent point. Uh, definitely something to think about. So, Jake, thank you so much for the call. Um, and again, if anyone else has thoughts on this, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. And what we're talking about today is we're talking about uh, parole reform. Uh, two different bills that are, that are causing some concern for folks is the, the elder uh, parole reform, where at age 55, if you've served at least 15 years in prison, you get a chance at parole. And then in combination with that, if this uh, ends up passing, is the Fair and Timely Parole Act, which, again, allows – it, it kind of shifts – how parole boards are supposed to look at the conditions for released. And it changes it from being able to evaluate what crimes they committed beforehand. Supposedly, you know, again, I, I, I don't want to pretend like I fully understand every aspect of a bill. I'm not a lawyer. But, you know, just looking at it from a layman's perspective, it looks like they're changing it so it's based on community danger. All right. So when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more. And again, we'd love to hear your calls on this, 585-346-3000. Thank you, Jake from Rochester, for calling in, 585-346-3000. We'll be back with more from our free solution in a few minutes. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals but don't take my word for it they've won the best in rochester eight years in a row and have an a-plus better business bureau rating if your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals give the professionals at simple tech innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182 that's 585-200-3182 simple tech innovations a free solution. Welcome back to a free solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for listening today. We're live until 1 p.m. on WYSL, which means that you, the listeners, can give us a call, participate in the discussion, either live here on the radio or just passing it along to producers. Either one. Either one is fine. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave us a comment online as well. And, uh... 
If I can, I'll read it off on air, too. Shout out to the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in Newark and WENY, the Patriot down in the Southern Tier. Appreciate y'all listening today. And our podcast listeners, again, our growing podcast audience. Thanks for listening here, uh, wherever you're listening. If you if you, you listen to the podcast later, that's totally cool, too. You can find it at WYSL1040.com or search for a free solution on any podcast app, and you'll find us here. And if you want to leave feedback, contact at a free solution.com. Okay. So just wrapping up the discussion on the parole reform stuff. And then and I'll, I'll get to it again. It, this, what, what prompted this discussion for me is, is I, I saw the, the letter from, uh, from Sandra Dorley, the, the Monroe County district attorney who generally, I, I generally, I like Sandra Dorley. And in, in fact, you know, when, when I was chair of the County Libertarian party, we had, we had, we'd endorsed her for a handful of reasons. I, I think she's a very thoughtful and, and overall good DA, generally. Yeah, but I have some criticisms, and this this being one of them, you know, she she says in the letter that, uh, you know, she supports some aspects of parole reform, but doesn't like these two things, and then get scares us with a bunch of uh, people who could be released. Again, the 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 question for for folks like her, for for other opponents of parole reform, and, and for people who are. You know, thinking in, in an actual critical way about the the purpose and goal of the criminal justice system, the question I have for you is, again, what is prison supposed to do? What is it supposed to do? Is it to keep bad people separate from us? Maybe sometimes. Is it to punish people who have done something bad? Is it to rehabilitate them and get them back into society? And how do we hold all three of those ideas or apply them to specific situations. Again, I would, I would say that there's, there's a limit to how much we can ask our criminal justice system and us, the taxpayers, to pay for vengeance, to pay for justice. How many years is it appropriate to take for someone taking a life, for taking away all the years away from a person? How many years can we put them in prison? How often? How much should we pay for that as a society, as taxpayers? Does it make sense to keep someone in prison 60, 70, 80 years? And the other part of this act I didn't mention and, you know, just uh, shouldn't be an afterthought, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, the with the, the Elder Parole Act, it, health is also a consideration too. So if someone is, uh, you know, like dying of cancer and they're in prison, they, they may release them. You know, part of the, the, the cynical part of me kind of thinks that it's not – is not merely a compassionate thing. It's also a. It could be a uh, like a money thing. Like the prison system doesn't want to be the one to have to pay for their medical care. That's just the the cynical part of me, and so that's why there's a push to to release people who are sick. But part of it's you know could be you know they're 85 years old. They've served 40 years in prison already. They're dying of cancer. What do we need, really need to keep them in there for? Not going to do anything at that point. That that's just you know my. My final thought on that. Um, uh, so, ooh, ooh, interesting one. Uh, Nima says, privatize prisons with rewards for reforming prisoners. Okay, all right. Uh, and, and again, that number, if you want to call in, is 585-346-3000. And, you know, I, it's so interesting. I had this discussion with the guys on the Liberty show a while ago. And and I think I did like half a show on this one too. Um, 
for a free solution. And, you know, Alex Merced, who is the, the former uh, vice chair of the Libertarian Party, actually changed my mind on this issue because I, I used to think there is no way, zero way, it is ethical to have private prisons. You should not profit off of keeping someone in prison. But that thought, you know, if you have private prisons who get rewarded for having prisoners do better post-release, and that's that's how they're able to make more money, you know, get them out quickly and then make sure they don't commit crimes and they get a bonus if they haven't done anything in, in you know, five, ten years, whatever. That's that's how that's their model. Is that sustainable? Does that make sense? Instead, yeah, I remember when I talked about that because Joe Biden had had put out this executive order saying he was shutting down private prisons and progressives get all excited about this. Yes, you know, private corporations shouldn't profit off of keeping people in prison. Well, you know, the, the fact that matters a lot of towns and governments you know, make money off of keeping people in prison too, in, in a sense, right? Like there's there's a lot of towns in New York State that that is that is their livelihood, and I get that. I, I'm not I'm not a prison abolitionist. I I feel like they're they're some necessary use cases for prisons, but I, I don't particularly like that entire towns, including you know ones I have lived near or in, are so reliant on keeping people incarcerated that if that prison were to leave, the town may literally not, you know, survive. A lot of businesses would probably leave. That's not healthy either. I don't think that's any better or more moral than a private corporation or some executive at a private corporation making money off of keeping someone in prison. Someone's always making money. Warren's still making money. Guard is still making money. Someone's making money off of this. Uh, in, in either way, whether it's a private corporation or a government-run prison, us the taxpayers are paying for that. And so all I ask is that if we're going to have this system, that we be judicious in making sure that we are spending as little money as possible to keep us safe, and I would prefer to have people out, not in prison. That's, that's a better thing, as long as they're not, again, a danger to others. That's my general preference. And again, I, I recognize that, that there, there are victims of crimes who are going to feel differently than that, but I would like to not spend ourselves into oblivion. That That's also important. I'd also not like to keep people caged. We have we have a lot of people caged for nonviolent crimes, for things I don't even think should be crimes, like the drug war, which, you know, touch on that in, a, uh, in the next segment too, <laughs> a new thing coming up uh, related to drug war. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm actually in favor of privatizing some prisons if you set up the right incentives. If you have bad incentives where you just make a whole bunch of money uh, – that the you know they they get paid based on the number of beds that they're filled. Yet you create a lot of perverse incentives for those private prisons to uh, to keep people there to find reasons to keep people incarcerated longer. That's not good either. So we, we don't want that. Yes, set up the incentives right. Then you know it's a uh, it's a good thing. That's uh, that's. That's how we can do a bit better here. Now, is that going to be politically popular? No, of course not. Democrats ain't going to do that. Never going to do that. And I, I don't think, I don't think there's any political will to do that outside of the maybe the libertarian community. I know, but it, but if 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 I'm wrong on that, either 
in my vision for how this could work or in the political ability to move towards privatizing prisons, I'd love to hear from you. Leave me a comment online on a free solution to Facebook page or a free solution to YouTube channel or, of course, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. So that's more or less all I've got for the the, the parole reform stuff. I I think we're going to be hearing more from that. We'll see if this actually goes anywhere. You know, I don't I don't know if it will, because uh, a lot of times these things start to, to get some momentum and then they get stuck, you know, because we, we see if you don't find ways to make sure that we're making good decisions about the type of folks who are released from prison, that that can present a danger to us. And then we, we see these situations where, you know, we may have, you know, 100 people released, 95 of them are fine, but the five that you released create new victims that's important. That's not something we could just dismiss and say, oh, you know, well, it's not a big deal. No, of course it's a big deal. It changes people's lives in a bad way. All right. So thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Uh, give us a call if you want to participate. Got one more segment coming up. 585-346-3000. we be back with A Free Solution in a few minutes. A Free Solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for the day. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. And got this last segment here. We're here live on WISL until 1 p.m. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. 585-346-3000. Leave your comments online. You know, one other aspect of, of, of this uh, criminal justice reform, parole reform, all this prison reform stuff coming up, too, is the, uh, the voting thing, too. Uh, the... Should people who used to be incarcerated be able to vote? Uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, it's a good question. I mean, if it's – to me, you know, if you you, you, did, you did your time and, and, and you're released, uh, you should, you'd probably be able to vote. That's, uh, that's all I really have to say about that. You know, I mean, if it's I, – I think the question's a bit more difficult for people who are currently in prison – but I think people are outside of prison. You did your time. You you you, you served your punishment. You, you should probably be able to vote. That's that's where I'm at. You know, it's I I think that's fine. Uh, you know, it's if if you want to hear someone talking about should people in prison be able to vote? There's a guy named uh, Aaron Comey who's a uh, an activist uh, down in New York. He has a uh, he has a very interesting story. He uh, maybe I'll have to have Monson, but he, interesting story of, of of his mental health crisis, some crimes he's committed, and his journey to recovery, and and you know, so he has some interesting thoughts on reform and release from his perspective, and and also being able to vote. And, and I know he, he's an activist and, and thinks that people in prison should be able to vote. So uh, I don't know. That's uh, but but if you wanna if you wanna hear that perspective, go go look that guy up. He's a interesting dude. Lives down in New York, uh, and yeah. So so anyway, you know the the other the other interesting bit of news that I, I see coming up is kind it's kind of related to this stuff, right? Uh, it's not not directly related to prison reform, criminal justice reform, exactly. But uh, the legalization of marijuana, you know, I I don't know who put out a memo 
on this. I don't. I, I guess it was the Upstate uh, Poison Center who's who's putting out a, a memo for this, saying that oh my goodness, all these children are are eating uh, marijuana edibles. Um, it, listen, there's there's not really a retail market for this stuff yet, so the legalization of marijuana has not really anything to do with with there being an increase in this stuff, right? Like it's not you you can't. You can't go to the the store down the road yet and, and go and buy edibles. Uh, if they're doing that, they are either making those on their own, or they are, you know, buying them from another state where they're able to do that, bringing them back. Doesn't really have anything to do with the change in New York laws. So supposedly, you know, there's a a big jump in the last uh, few months for this stuff. But again, let's let's look at what's actually changed. Not, not the marijuana law, and and I'll say if you're the type of person who who does that stuff, no, no, no judgment, no judgment. Do your thing, whatever. Keep it out of the reach of your kids, like you would with like any medicine. You know, you you, you keep your medicine up on a high cabinet, locked up. Keep keep your marijuana edibles up there too, especially since some of that stuff looks like candy. Like it literally looks like you know Skittles or gummy bears or whatever. They're gonna think that's candy. Keep that stuff locked up. Don't don't be dumb. You know, like 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 you would with anything else. Make sure your kids don't get it. I I, I again I I just seen a bunch of articles about it this week, so I'm going to bring it up. You know that's that's your. I, I don't think that's an argument against legalizing marijuana since it hasn't actually really happened yet. It hasn't changed in terms of how you're able to go and legally purchase this stuff yet in New York. A rise. And kids eating this stuff just says that parents are being more reckless with it. If you're a parent who does that type of stuff, be careful. Don't be, don't be dumb. Last news item I got of the day too. It's a uh, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, folks. And you know I I was gonna spend a bit more time at the end up going on as I often do uh, on more of a a thing. On my first topic on parole reform, I, di- I didn't get to much of the the Pride Month stuff. Uh, you know, all I, all I have to say about that is, I think it's a good thing when the government doesn't tell people how to live their life because I don't want them to tell me how to live my life either. That's my position on it. I am happy to see more people are taking that position on it. Where I don't care. I don't want the LGBTQ community to seize the government and implement their agenda either, but I don't think that's fully happened yet. I think mostly we're in a position where most people are like, oh, you're gay now? Okay, cool. Whatever. That's fine. I, I don't care. Just do your thing. Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. And for the type of folks who are like, oh, why, why do we celebrate pride anymore? Like, I get it. I, I still see my my friends, my people that, that, that I care about. There's still some folks who are we're not very nice to them just because of, of who they choose to, to, to be with. I don't think that's very nice. I think you should let them live their life. I don't think you should hurt them just because it is a man with another man or a woman with another woman. Don't harass them. Don't hurt them. Let them live their lives. That's, that's, again, that's the libertarian vision for society. If it's consenting adults doing what they want, leave them alone. Let them do their thing. It ain't hurting you. It's fine. It's not hurting your children. It's fine. Let them 
live their lives. And so I get the folks who are who are celebrating Pride, who are still, who still feel like they occasionally get harassed, but we've we've changed so much from where we were 20 years ago. Now we have every every corporation in at least you know America and Europe uh, changing their their Facebook and Instagram avatars to rainbow flags, making money off of it. And again, I'm not I'm not immune from that. I'm an advertising. I get it. There there are folks who are trying to to, to signal that, and I I get why that is still a thing. Part of it bit cringy to me again i'm not part of that community you know so i who am i to judge i guess right but part of it's like oh that's uh it's a bit cynical if you weren't that way 30 years ago but i i can respect that again if you are a company you are doing your thing you want to show that you are i know it's it's a bit virtue signally right you want to show that you're being supportive okay well i you know i can i can accept that and 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 more okay with it than than the alternative of, of people being discriminatory, and and the next big question is going to come up. You know, like are are there still is there still a necessity for things like the the cake debate? Right? Is there still a necessity for the government to come in and say, yes, you you have to bake that cake, you have to serve all customers, even if it is compelled speech. Or has the free market, has the culture shifted enough to just leave people alone? If you want to do that thing, then then other people might say, well, I don't want to do business with someone who is going to act that way, who's not going to you know, serve gay people, who's not going to, to serve my friends. Will they be punished enough by the market for the government to butt out? Should the government in these situations leave people alone? Should the government just allow people to make their own decisions about who they serve and don't serve? And what protected classes are necessary? Is it still essential for the government to have protected classes across the board at all? Or will society in the free market act appropriately and act in a way that supports people who just want to run their business? who don't want to weigh in on these cultural fights, who don't want to do things. Or it will be the opposite. It could be the opposite. That's the thing. But I, I generally weigh on the side of the government should probably butt out of this stuff. And so I'm probably not going to spend a ton of time talking about Pride Month, but it is something that is on my mind today in that you know I'm, I'm happy for my friends who are out, who can feel safe, and who can live their lives the way they choose without government interference. And... I also think that the government should leave businesses alone. I think we can we can have both of those ideas exist at the exact same time. Support my friends, but also leave businesses alone. All right, that's all I got for all that stuff today. Thanks again for joining us on A Free Solution. Now, quick, quick announcement. Tomorrow, Larry's not going to be on. I'm going to be on, and I'm going to be joined by my friend Tim O'Connor, who's going to be a much more regular presence on this show. So make sure you listen in tomorrow to A Free Solution. I'll be on and Tim O'Connor will be on. Talk to you then. Mm-hmm.